Why are you running? I don't. I don't get it. What? <laughs> it's a meme. Who's running? <laughs> Why is everything a meme? <laughs> the king of memes. Hello everyone, and welcome to Make Believe Heroes, an actual play, 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons adventure. I'm your dungeon master, Paul, and I'm joined today by four associates. Hey guys, it's Jeremy. I play Saul. Spaghetti! <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm Jeffrey, and I play Kjorg. I'm Alan, and I play Brackle. I'm Felicia, and I play Misk. And we are make-believe heroes. Are we heroes? We are. <laughs> okay, so everyone in this season, <laughs> except probably Saul. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I get it. Recently, friend of the show, Ryan, on AKA. Twitter, campaigning for a make-believe villains campaign. Yeah, I would love to run that. We already had that. Can I run that? No, we already had. <laughs> oh! I'm off. I'm gone. Bye. We already had it. It's Good. been fun. I'm just kidding. It's been fun. Um, Good. We'll kill your character off again. <laughs> Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks. <laughs> That's a fun idea. It's definitely a fun idea. Where's the Odachi um, when you need it? We actually just a little behind the scenes. We actually started a one-off one time where we played evil characters. <laughs> it's beside the dead tree, Felicia. But um, it's like nailed to the roots of the tree through Lork's body. May or may not ever see the light of day. So we'll see. That's something we're going to keep that in the brain there. Mull it over. Think about what happens. So did you record that one? We did. We recorded about half of it. It was we were going to do a one shot, but we didn't get we didn't get to finish it. Hey, I was in that. You were. And his name was. Can I say a name? What was his name? Cobblestone Beard. Cobblestone Beard. That was it. (laughs) What a name. Cobble, space, stone beard. Okay. I'm going to roll a giant blue d20. Yeah, you are. And we're going to get started with episode three of season two. Why not two giant blue d20s? Oh, man. It was on a nat 20, and it rocked back. You better be glad. Thank Paylor or Etonia, maybe. It doesn't help. It's only a 19 now. (laughs) Instead, it's a 19. I don't think any of them. I'm going to thank Dervetter. None of them like us. <laughs> because you're currently like, who can we trust? Who's good? Well, uh, yeah. Which, I mean, you know, wh- well, we'll get into all that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Hey guys, Season re- one questions. Oh. <laughs> y- y'all ready to do some, uh, some D&D? D&D. I was born ready. Um, I just want to say that Lorik's dice, before we started tonight, I had to retire them, put them away, so they're not rolled anymore. Oh, wow. Is it the metal ones? The the gold metal ones. Oh, my oh. gosh. Are you retiring them? Those were legit Lorik. So unless, you know, some, like, we do an offshoot of, like, before Lorik's death or something, yeah. uh, those those dice will no longer be touched. We'll do an evil campaign and you can play as Lorik's dad. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that would work. So before we get started, let's let's see what happened last week on Make Believe Heroes. Um, Felicia. The newest oh, no. member of our make-believe group. How would you like to give us a simple rundown of what happened last time, if you can remember? We're in the land of make-believe. <laughs> so I can make all this up, right? No. Yes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so pretty much to sum that up, 
What do you get when Brackle and like five guys in a street? What do you get? A lot of dead it's people. Like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, not no. that. Pretty much, uh, Brackle messed some guy's faces up. <laughs> he did. He did. For a woman. For Lelia. Yeah. That's true. Then, what's that guy with the... the mysterious guy. The mysterious man with the tool that... The, what's the... The Paylor sword. <laughs> the rapier. The Paylor sword. It's <laughs> not that. It's a rapier. The strange character with the rapier came through and helped Brackle. And then they went back to the... Barley Barrel. Very good, very and, good. And, uh... Barely Barrel. So, Misk was, like, totally disguised, and her brother, Saul, has appeared, and he had no idea, which was hilarious, that... Hilarious. I was <laughs> Misk. And so, I finally revealed myself because, you know, I felt sorry for the guy. Mm-hmm. And now, there was a commotion, and we were about to fly out of the Barley Barrel. Mm-hmm. We ended last time with an explosion. The walls of the barley barrel began to shake with a resounding explosion outside somewhere in the city. There were screams and yelling coming from outside the inn. And then this mysterious figure who has, in a way, sort of brought you together at the barley barrel, who was discussing the possibility of having you all help him with some business and maybe paying you a lot of money to do so. He turns to you and says, well, perhaps this is your chance right now. To show me if you're worth hiring. And then the four of you ran outside. So you all rush out the door of the barley barrel. The streets are packed with people. And they've been packed with people all day. But now it is pandemonious. So the barley barrel is near the northeastern gate that heads into the core. So the core of Branchire is... The center of the city, it's a very beautiful area that's got the greenest grass and there is an orchard there and there are the three main houses, like the biggest and most lucrative and beautiful houses in Branchire that house the quote-unquote royal family, the family of the mayor, along with the Temple of Pelor and the library are all there in the core. So there are people pouring out of this northeastern gate coming from the core onto the main street of Circle Street as you all turn to the right coming out of the barley barrel. People are yelling and running away and you can all look and you can immediately see smoke rising up from over somewhere in the direction of the core. Misk, I smell adventure. Let's go. And he like immediately takes off. Wait, Saul, oh, well, come on guys. We really need to go after him. I have no idea what he's going to do. So you take off running after Saul? We're going after Saul. Kjorg follows. What does Brackle do? Brackle stands up and pursues. But he does okay. so in a way that is not overly hasty, but not unhurried either. Are you saying that he's trying to like hide, or is he just he's just moving forward without trying to look too He's moving with purpose. Okay. Alright. So the four of you begin pushing your way through the crowd, and like I said, there is a throng of people rushing out of the core. You know, the city is full, and so people have just kind of been everywhere. But at this moment, there are people screaming. You see a couple of interested parties that are walking in the direction of the core, trying to get a better look at what's going on and things like that. But for the most part, it is not an angry mob. It's a scared mob. And, you know, in fact, it's to the point that, Brackle, you might see a a young boy at one time that's trying to keep up with his mother and is in danger of being trampled. I mean, it's just... It's dangerous. I trample them. No. I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you. So 
you all are pressing in that direction. And it takes you a few minutes, but once you get through the actual gate itself that leads into the core, it opens up and you're able to get a better view. And inside the inner walls of the core, you can see from where you're standing all five of the major buildings inside. There's the big orchard in the center of the city. You can see the tall, beautiful houses standing off in the distance, the library, and of course the great and majestic temple of Pelor with its gold and white trimmings. But one of those houses, which you would recognize, Brackle, as the third house, is um, not in the best of shape. A portion of the main roof has been blown off completely. There's debris and chunks of wood lying all over the green grass, just smoldering and on fire. And there are great billows of smoke pouring out the top of it. People are screaming and running around trying to get away from it. And you can all see this same house on fire. Saul, he's going to... I'm going to use stealth. I'm going to like try to stick to the shadows and and Mm -hmm. get closer to the house and get an idea of what's going on. Um, he's going to like look over his shoulder at Misk real quick and be like, mm-hmm. maybe there's a Belor here, and then he's going to step into the shadows. Okay, give me a stealth check. That's a 14. Okay, that's not bad. So you're not, quote-unquote, one with the darkness, but you are doing a pretty good job of going unnoticed. You know, people can see you. The light of the cigar, you know, it kind of yeah. is a tale. And it's not, there's not that many shadows. It's still late afternoon. Uh, the The five bells signaling the end of the day haven't even rang yet. But there are shadows, and they're lengthening. So you're able to blend in and make yourself scarce, more or less, as you make your way through this pressing throng heading in the direction of the burning house. What are the rest of you doing? The house is on fire. Yes. People are running away from it, screaming. I will run to the house. You run full speed toward the house. Yes. Okay, Kjorg is running full peel toward this burning house, and people are just bouncing off of him as he goes. <laughs> yeah, I'm behind him. You just like you're trying. I'm behind to, him you're basically like, drifting uh, behind yes. him like a car yes. falling a semi. Yep. All right. It's called drafting. Drafting. I said drifting. You're right. It is drafting. Brackle. Brackle is going to. Uh, walk the perimeter, try to assess the situation, and find a safe way in. Okay, so I think this is a good time. Let's go ahead and roll initiatives. Here we go. Oh, man. All right, so what's everybody got on those initiatives? 18. 18. Brackle? Saul got a whopping four. <laughs> All right. <laughs> 17. All right, Miss. Sorry, I don't play D&D. <laughs> What'd you get? Uh, 18. Okay. Um, Brackle, I'm assuming you have the higher decks. I've got a plus three. Yeah. What's yours? Plus one? Your plus two. Plus two. Mine's a 16 at the base. All right, so this is a skills challenge. Wow. Oh, no. Whoa. Uh-oh. Brackle will go first. Oh, no. Kjorg will go second. Yeah. Misk will go third. And Saul will bring up the rear. <laughs> He's the behind. Because he is the rear. <laughs> <laughs> he does have a tail. That's true. Oh, that's true. So does Misk. By the way, Misk, you are I'm full looking, on tiefling. Yeah, I'm full on tiefling right now. I don't think oh. I'd have enough time to think about changing. No, no, no. I don't think you would either. She's full on tiefling right now. Here is the way this is going to go. You're all going toward the house. Now, I'm not saying that you all have to save people or do whatever, but here's what's happening. You're moving into a situation where there are many people that are in danger. There are some people that are trying to run away, some people that are still inside the house. You're going to go in order using your skills and or attacks and or spells or whatever you want to do to play this out narratively. If you all decide to go in and save people, we'll play that out. Whatever you're going to do, we're going to go in order using our 
skills and abilities. So, Brackle, you said that you'd like to move around and get a look at the place. So, why don't you roll me a perception check? I got a natural one. Oh, no! Spoopy doo Great job. You, Brackle. You are immediately blonded. <laughs> Fire shoots out. So, how, how would Brackle go about doing that? What's, what's he do? So, knowing kind of the layout of the house, he would try to look for the known entrances and kind of <laughs> see whether they're safe, like put his hand on the doorknob, that sort of thing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. Um, you, you you come upon uh, a side door that you know to be like a servant's entrance. Is you know, this the, a door? The cook's going in and out and things like that. You come up on a door and you feel over the handle. You, you put your hands up to it to see if it's hot, and it feels completely safe. It feels what? cool, and you think the fire must not have gotten to this place yet. It'd be a perfect spot for you to go on in. Okay, I go on in. You open the door. I die. Roll me a dexterity saving throw. Okay. Oh, man, I was hoping you would put an, uh, burn an M on his hand like Kevin McAllister. <laughs> that would have been even better. That's what I should have done. 13. Yeah, that's a failure. You're a failure. Uh, you're going to take some fire damage here. You're going to take some fire damage. Ooh, okay. So you oh. take six fire damage. As you open the door, the fire just erupts out the door towards you. Oh, no. I'm glad you let me have that um, short rest. Because <laughs> that would have dropped you. Make him roll fireball damage. <laughs> I mean, I'm already at half health. He is. These level one, y'all, y'all got to remember, these level one characters are so squishy. So, you take damage as flame leaps out the door and just burns your eyebrows right off. Literally. And Brackle now has, he's smacking no. his face, and he doesn't know it, but he smells burnt hair, and he currently has very little to no eyebrows. No! Nice. That is awesome. Brackle cares very much about fashion. Kjork. <laughs> Ugh, Kjork! What's Kjork doing? <laughs> the people's check. I'm championing the people. Okay. So... You're running toward the house. There are people all around you running away. People are freaking out. You can see that the house is on fire. There are pieces of the rafters hanging off and things like that. What are you What are you doing? What's your goal? What's your plan? The front door hanging open? It is. People, there were some people have run out. It. Yes, it's wide open. So I would run through the front door Okay. and try to go upstairs to see if there's people who I can help. You run in the front door, and there are some people still coming out. The inside is filling up with black smoke quickly, but there is a grand staircase heading up to the second floor right as soon as you step through the front door. You run up the staircase. What do you do? Yeah, I want to run up the staircase. Okay. You run up the staircase. Let's see. Roll me a perception check. That's a natural 20. Wow. Okay. Nice. Uh, it's like mine, but the opposite. Love it. You run up the staircase, and you hear the sound of someone screaming. Oh, boy. And it's coming from off down the hallway to the left. Down the hall to the left. Yes, you take off in that direction. Yes. You get down there, and there is a door. that It sounds like someone is screaming and trying to, like, beat on the door to knock it open, but it, it seems like they're not hitting it very hard at all, like they're weak. They don't seem to be able to do anything about it. What do you do? Back up. It's the people's champion. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh gosh. And then oh, what man. do you do? 
I'm gonna bust the door down. Okay, give me a, an athletics check. That's an 11. Okay, um, that's enough to knock this door down. So, Bam. you slam this door and it just falls open. And when it does, there is a small child in there, a little girl. She's probably eight, nine years old. She's crying. She's coughing her head off, and this room is filled with smoke. This is a long turn. Yeah, I know. He's had, like, he had two checks. Well, no, nah, the perception check wasn't his action. Oh. That was just for me. This was your action. You find the girl in there, and that's it. Okay. Cool. We'll, we'll just call it right there. Okay. Now it is Misk's turn. Okay, so... I was thinking, like, since he's up in the house and stuff like that, I'm mm -hmm. not really athletic. Sure. I mean, you know, think about it in the, in the sense of this is all sort of happening at the same time. So while Brackle is making his way around the side of the house and blowing himself up, Fjord <laughs> is barreling toward the house. And you've been sort of drafting behind him, running behind him, keeping in what? line so that you could make your way through the crowd more easily. But if you want to split off and do something on your own, or if you want to follow him in and do something on your own, you can do that. It's all totally up to you. I would like to follow him in, mm -hmm. just okay. because I feel like him breaking down the doors would be, you know. Sure, you follow him right up into the front door, and he just takes off barreling upstairs. Do you follow him, or what do you do? Mm, if I'm right behind him, I would, at least if I was downstairs and he's upstairs, I might would hear the child. Okay. So I feel like if I heard the child, I would run upstairs too. Okay, that's fine. So you're sticking with Kjorg. You get up there, and you see him. And the thing is, like, if you try to talk to him or anything, Kjorg is kind of in a one-track mind right now. Yes, he's He has gone into child. full hero mode. I he's feel like since I've been with him as long as I have, I think I know it. So yeah, I'm just going to stick with him anyways. You definitely know how he is in that in, an, in a chance for him to show his heroics that that's the only thing that matters. So you just sort of watch him, right? And he busts the store down, and you step inside, and you see there's a small girl, and they're crying. What do you do? What do you want to do? I want to persuade her to go with me and, like, get her out of the house. Give me a roll. Let's see a persuasion. E. e. <laughs> what is your persuasion? E. It's going to be bad. Your persuasions are pretty good stuff. I also look like a tiefling, so this ain't help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fiery, and now a horned devil steps hey, into Hey, come with me, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> a giant half-orc busts oh. the door, and the devil pops in. My persuasion is a plus five, so okay. that's good. So that's an eight. Um, I'm gonna, I'll tell you what I'm going to do in this instance, is I'm going to have her roll again. Oh, my gosh, she rolled against you. What'd she roll? A natural one. Yes! Little kid ain't wow. got nothing on me. What are the odds? So, there it is. Um, okay, so. She is just so happy that someone is there. <laughs> she was trapped in this room. She's obviously disoriented. She is crying. Where's my mom? And you step forward, you say, what do you say to her? Your mom's dead. Here, come, come on. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Or Jim. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. Jim. Thanks, you Jim. called him Jim. So I feel like once I walked in, I'm like, Kjorg, I got the girl. And I feel like she's like right on me. She steps probably. forward towards you as soon as she sees someone there, and she passes out. She goes limp. She's oh inhaled too much smoke. Oh, my gosh. Kjorg, this kid just went limp. What the heck? <laughs> so, I, like, I'm not used to this stuff. I don't – I'm not – Right, a, you're not the hero. I'm not the hero. I'm like, Kjorg, what do I do? She's, she's like limp. I, I don't know. Pick her up. Pick her up? This kid's as big as me. No, she's not. <laughs> she's not. Okay, so I would pick her up. Okay, so you're picking the girl up. Saul, what are you doing? Saul has stealthily made his way to the outside of the house. Mm -hmm. And watching everyone else rush in, he is just going to go through the, the door that 
Kjorg and Misk went through okay. and purposely go, like, they went upstairs and to the left, right? They did, yes, just to the left. He's going to go upstairs and to the right? Okay. Is it like engulfed in flames and just open the first door? No, where you're at right now, this first floor is not engulfed in flames. The flames are just spreading. Okay. So wh- what are you looking to do? I'm going to go to the right. Is there a staircase? Like There is another staircase heading up to the second, to the, I guess it would be the third floor. Hmm. I don't know. I come in the house and I I made it up to the second floor. Is there anything in particular that stands out to me? You run up around the time that Kjorg busts through the door off to your left and Misk runs in behind him. I'm going to run on upstairs. Okay. You hear screaming and you notice that the farther up you go, the worse the smoke gets and the harder it gets to see and also breathe, which hasn't typically been an issue for you in the past, but you find that this new body, its lungs prefer clean air to uh, smoke-filled air, and this isn't like your cigar. It's messing with your head a little bit. It's your coughing, and you can definitely see and hear figures moving in the smoke, and it sounds like there are lots of screams and cries up ahead. That's where I'm going. Okay, you run up that way. Immediately, you're running through, and you come up on suddenly a figure in the smoke, and you bump into them, and they turn around, and uh, what you see is a little bit disconcerting you see a figure dressed in solid black robes this figure is wearing a like an oval white smooth porcelain mask there's two holes for eyes but there's nothing for the mouth instead there is this symbol on the mouth of the mask it is in the shape of an eye with a straight line down the middle half the eyes open half the eyes closed get out of my way peasant what are you doing and uh I want to intimidate them to run away. Okay, you want to scare them? A red devil in the dark? I'm a red devil in the dark. Roll me an intimidation check. It's a natural uh, one. Oh, boy. It's a natural one. Okay. Saul rolls like a boss. Always. It's that 20. This is the second time he's rolled a natural one. You cursed us, Paul. He has not got the hang of this stuff. Here we go. So, what I'm going to do... Life. Saul doesn't natural plane well. <laughs> no. This, um, this figure draws its weapon. <laughs> Be- because here's the thing. You did scare it. <laughs> not in an intimidating fashion. More of a, holy crap, this building's on fire, and now there's a red devil in front of me fashion. And he's going to take a swing at you with a short sword. Bring it. You die. <laughs> Are you serious? Natural... One. Oh, oh my God. gosh. I thought oh. you were about to say natural 20. <laughs> I was really scared for a second. I didn't look. Uh, natural one. Man, that sucks. I really wanted to hit you with that sword. Uh, Praise Dervetter, question mark. So there you go. It's, they're essentially going to cancel out, so nothing crazy is going to happen to you or him. What's going to happen here is he is going to take a swipe at you and completely miss. You easily step out of the way, and he sort of stumbles back and falls on his butt and starts trying to crawl away from you quickly. And that's where we're going to pick up with Brackle. That's me. So Brackle just had his face blown off. Uh, (laughs) So he thinks, not that way. That door is not the right way. Well, the door is wide open now. The fire has come out of it, and the room's on fire. But if you wanted to run through there, you could. Like, you can see clearly through it now. So, Brackle takes out his decanter of endless water. And <laughs> if only. <laughs> and then his boat in a box. Why didn't we ever have any burning Bang. building sessions in season one, huh? Not at all. Huh? All we had was a desert. Yeah, flying through deserts and attacking undead krakens. Oh, we had a burning scene. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, we did. 
Oh, yeah. At the very end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The finale. Uh, okay. <laughs> also, no, there really was another burning scene. What was the other one? When we were in that elf's place and the whole building blew up. Oh, and yeah. Oh, yeah. Lord oh, was yeah. up in the air. Oh, yeah, that's right. He did not He did use the decanter then to put out that uh, halfling that was a flaming tree. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, is it... Does it seem safe? Does Brackle know all this is... It doesn't uh, seem safe, but it seems like you could easily get through the room. Okay. Brackle goes through the room. You immediately step into the room and you spot two servants on the floor. Their clothes are on fire. I try... I take (laughs) off my cloak and try to Uh put out the fire. Okay. Let's see. Um, what, What sort of skill do you think that that would use? If it were me, and I am me, then I would use probably, probably stealth. Alan, <laughs> no, I would use medicine, maybe survival. Would it, would it be survival? Yeah, I'm fine with survival. Okay, that's what I would think. Cause I'm trying to help them survive. Yeah, it's <laughs> one of those things they teach you at like uh, Boy Scouts: stop, drop, and roll. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, I got a two. With survival, that makes a six. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you, we are really, really, you guys are doing great. I so mean, they roast alive. We're all gonna die. Probably. And now I'm on fire too. You run over and you begin to try and put the fire out with your cape, but it, it actually catches your cape on fire. Oh no, your cape's on and fire. It does not help them. And the one that you went up to and started to do, they're turning over now and they're yelling in pain and trying to smack the fire on their clothes. Why did this guy come up and set us on fire? Do you say anything? What's what's? I say, roll if you're able. <laughs> You've stopped and dropped. <laughs> I've fallen and I can't uh, get up. It's hilarious. They're on fire. Okay, let's move on to the next person. Pure. <laughs> Paul, it's hilarious. They're on fire. They're on fire. <laughs> you're, 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 yes, Kjorg, you are in the room. There is a little girl who's fainted in Misk's arms, and Misk seems kind of like she's freaking out. I'm freaking out. Misk, take her downstairs. Take her out of here. And then I run to uh, where I hear screaming coming from. Okay. It, from At this point, you run out, and you see some people stumbling out and down the stairs. You're seeing servants. Uh, it looks like the worst of it is from coming from upstairs. Up the stairs we go. You take off up the steps, and... It's cloudy with smoke up here. There's fire everywhere. There's actually a giant hole off uh, to the left in the ceiling where it seems like a portion of the house has just been blown off by an explosion. You Someone's been cooking meth in the house. <laughs> <laughs> got a Walter White up in here. hey um, <laughs> You hear more screams off to the right side, away from like where the hole in the ceiling is. You hear a crash, and you look over, and a beam... And the roof has seemingly broken due to the fire and has fallen down, and it looks like someone may be pinned under it over there. Oh man. I don't like people being pinned. So what do you do? I want to unpin them. So you run over, and there is a young man. He looks like he's wearing sort of like a butler's attire, and he has this large wooden beam from the roof laying across his chest. He's having trouble breathing. I give him mouth to mouth. It doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> Intimidation. Will that help? 
Get the beam what are you? off the gun. <laughs> How about animal handling? <laughs> what you, okay. Make a history check. Please. Um, yes. What kind please. of wood oh. is that? <laughs> Mahogany. Uh, <laughs> I would love oh please. to use slot of hand to pull him out from under there after I push the beam up. Why don't you just use athletics? Can we use the same one twice? Yeah, that's fine. Yes, you can. I'll do that then. Yes, give me an athletics check to try and lift the beam. I'll snap the beam in half with my bare hands. <laughs> yeah, let's see that. It's a 14 plus 5, 19. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's plenty. So you go over and you're not able to like manhandle this thing and just toss it off, but you're able to lift it up just enough for him to work his way out of it. So I go to the farthest edge of the beam I can get to because mm-hmm. it gives you more leverage right? and just push up on it. Get out of there, I'm lifting up this giant beam and the house is on fire. <laughs> I like that. Also, I'm the people's champion. <laughs> that is Kjorg. Misk. Okay, so I'm sitting here with this little kid mm-hmm. passed out in my hands. Yes. Kjorg says, what did he tell me? Take her, her downstairs. Yeah, take her downstairs, get her out of here. And I'm like, okay, oh, okay. And I pick her up, which this is totally not misc. Like, mm-hmm. what the heck? She's freaking out. Mm-hmm. And so she picks up the little kid and attempts to take her downstairs. Okay, you and can do out so. Of the house. She's not heavy. I mean, you're easily able to carry her down the stairs and get her outside. So what? What are you gonna do? Are you just gonna take her out there and leave her? What's your plan? I'm gonna take her out there and. Is there a loving, caring woman in the crowd that looks like <laughs> that I feel like I could hand her so to? So you're looking, you, you want to look for someone to give her to? Yeah. Uh, roll me a perception check. It's a 13. 13. I think your perception's a plus zero. So that is a 13. Um, I'm awesome. You step <laughs> out there and many people are running away, but just a slightly safe distance from the house, you see people are starting to gather up who look like Maybe they worked here, or maybe they lived here, and they're looking at the house and watching, and some of them look anxious. And as you come running out, you see a number of people that look friendly, like they're concerned and looking for people to come out. Hey, take her. Hurry. An older man comes running forward. He says, that, that's that's Joanne. Take her out of my hands. He reaches out, he takes her, he says, where's where her mother? I have no idea. I'll. Her mother, Renee, was she not with her? Yes, yes, she was, actually. She was up there. I'm going to go get her now, so you hold on a second. Okay. I'll be right back. <laughs> so you take off and run back upstairs? I'm running up there. I'm like, Kjorg! <laughs> Are you going to go look for her mother? I think I'm just going to go back to Kjorg. I feel like okay. that's my safe okay. spot. <laughs> All right, you are running back up the stairs. Kjorg! <laughs> Welcome to episode three of Make Believe Heroes season two. We hope that you are enjoying this season so far. I know that we are certainly enjoying making it for you. As usual, we have a few things to get to right away, so let's go ahead and take care of some business. First of all, we are currently halfway to our first dice giveaway here at MBH. We're currently giving away a set of purple Cosmos dice from DiceNV.com. If you have not entered to win those dice, you can do so by sharing a link to the show with a recommendation on your favorite social media and either tagging us in it or shooting us a screenshot to let us know that you've done so. 
or by leaving us a five-star review slash sending us a screenshot of the five-star review that you have previously written. For more details on that, you can visit our website at makebelieveheroes.com where we will have details on the giveaway on the webpage. And while you're there, you should also sign up for our newsletter, which will be the easiest and quickest way to learn about all future announcements and giveaways. Speaking of DiceNB.com, the people at DiceNV.com are making some incredible material for your gaming table. Dice like you have never seen. If you're looking to add some flair to your dice game, go to DiceNV.com right now where they're selling exclusive dice that you can't get anywhere else. Beautiful acrylic dice, metal dice, as well as some really nice little metal tins. In fact, for our contest, those Cosmos Purple Dice are coming in one of those fancy Dice Envy tins. You can also subscribe to their monthly subscription Dice Box, starting at just $5 a month. Perfect gift for the upcoming holiday season. Go right now. Check them out, DiceEnvy.com. You will not regret it. And tell them that we sent you using the code, all caps, HEROES, to get 10% off of your first month from the DiceEnvy.com subscription. So go now. Check that out. Get some sweet new dice. Of course, you may have noticed all the many sound effects, music, and backtracks that we use in our episodes. You can find many of those at BattleBards.com, where they have basically everything you could need for D&D or RPG ambience at your table. And if you go right now to BattleBards.com and use the code MBHPODCAST, you can get 15% off of your BattleBards Prime subscription. So go check that out. How about some reviews? We've got a couple to read for you today. One is actually one of the first reviews that we ever received from the show way back in January from T Baggins 46 titled Great Listen. Had to listen to both episodes and can't wait for the next. That came out at the first week of the release of our show when we only had the first two episodes out there. Thank you, T Baggins. I hope that you've stuck around for the long haul. Secondly, we have a recent review from KVDRPG. One of the greats, a reluctant but dutiful paladin with a negative one on religion and a socially awkward, snobby elf wizard obsessed with magic items, embark on a seemingly unintelligible quest. Good production values. Thank you, KVDRPG. We work really hard on those production values, and I think you'll find that they get even better as we go along. So that should just about do it for this week. Go to Facebook, Twitter, follow us there at MBH Podcast, facebook.com slash MBH Podcast. Visit our website at makebelieveheroes.com and keep your eyes and ears open for that Halloween special that uh, is definitely coming a little after Halloween, but we promise it will be worth the wait. Let's get back to the show, shall we? And it's Saul. Saul is going to pull a dagger. <laughs> mm-hmm. And oh no, he's gonna. At first, he's gonna like, like flex his hand for his his magical sword to appear, like we saw whenever we first met Saul, or when we got our first glimpse of Saul. Yep. And uh, it doesn't appear, so he pulls a dagger out of his belt, mm-hmm. and using thaumaturgy, he's going to make the smoke and flames around him turn purple. <laughs> including the ember on the end of a cigar. He's going to look at the mask figure and he's going to say, Hell is upon you! And try to sink the dagger into his neck. Okay, give me an attack roll. Or, you know, give me advantage because of all that build-up. Jeez. Lame. Oh! Oh! Is that another net one? Oh. It's an 11. No, <laughs> oh, it's a, oh, God. It's I wish it was. Two ones. See, the reason I'm not going to give you advantage is, simply put, 
the room is filled with smoke. It's actually getting hard for you to see and hard for you to, you know, breathe. But as you lunge toward him with the dagger to go and stab him, he's crawling back and you see him kind of flip over and he pulls from his robe a sort of glowing orb and it's like a it's less of an orb and more because you can actually see it clearly in spite of the fact that everything is so blurred and and obstructed by the smoke but it's this like a vowel like a circular spherical vowel you're lunging toward him and actually your dagger's headed right toward him and it's about to stab him but as he's flipping over as you're lunging toward him right as your dagger sort of sticks him it doesn't hit him anywhere close to the throat or face just because he's crawling away from you you're sort of lunging at him there's smoke but it is going toward his like midriff and your dagger goes and sticks just a little bit into his rib cage right around his ribs and he takes this vial and just crashes it at his waist and when he does you hear this weird sort of hum like a pulsing hum noise okay and then he just zips out of existence Wow. What the heck? It's a strange sensation. I mean, you've seen people do crazy things in the nine hells, but this is something you haven't seen anything like this since you got topside, for sure. And he is gone, and your dagger is gone with him. Oh, you lost a dagger, What? That's crazy. You feel like you probably did stick him in the ribs pretty good. Okay. So. Well, he took five damage, so. Brackle. Yes. There's some people on the floor on fire. Okay. And my cloak did nothing. Well, it was it just seemed to be catching flame. You're not sure if maybe you just weren't doing it right, maybe you were letting it sit on them too long. You don't know. What do you want to do? <laughs> I start to manually roll them about. Okay. Um, okay. Give me just give me another survival check. Burrito. Okay. <laughs> I rolled a natural one. Oh, you, you did not. Oh my gosh. These people's about to burn. Oh, Brackle's gonna have like bodies. Is this real? This is uh, Sprackle's second natural one. Oh my gosh. He, so far he's rolled three times in this skills dice challenge. Dice. Two of them have been natural ones. Is that right? Yeah, the first one. This is correct. I can't, well, yeah, that's not good. I'm, I'm sad. Um, you're, see, Brackle's disoriented from the explosion. His eyebrows are still sort of sizzling. <laughs> and you go to roll them over. And uh, actually, you roll over. <laughs> you, you know, they're sort of helping themselves now. They're rolling around, and you're trying to put them out. But all you manage to do is grab a hold of a piece of melted cloth, which then burns to your hand pretty severely, and uh, you take three damage. Oompa loompa doopity do. Brackle, you're feeling rough. But at this moment, as you're burning your hand, and you're kind of stumbling back and, you know, looking at your hand in the burn, someone runs into the room, and uh, it looks like someone else that works here. You're in, like, a kitchen area, and this man comes running in. He looks like a middle-aged man. He sees you standing there. He sees them on the floor, and he rushes over to the side, and he grabs a giant pot that apparently has water in it, and he just dumps it on them. Boiling water. It's not it's not boiling, but it probably was getting warm with the fire coming into the room. He throws the water on them, the fire goes out, and he says, Quick, get out. And he's helping them up and pushing them toward the door, and you're left to do as you please. So where are you heading from here, Brackle? I give up. I'm just leaving with them. <laughs> you, you, you go back outside? No. Uh, so I go where he came from. 
Okay, you take off down that hallway, and it's just a short hall that leads out into the main hallway of the bottom floor, which leads down where you, you've been in this house before, probably for special events, nothing, you don't know the place intricately, but you can tell from where you're looking that that's leading to like the main entry of the house and things like that. So, you take off in that direction. Kjorg. Yo. You have saved this boy's life, and uh, you hear as Misk is running up the stairs and screaming your name, and you can hear that she's, you know, she's a floor down from you, but you can hear her calling out for you. Kjorg. I run to her. You run back down the hallway and go to head down the staircase. You make it down to the second floor around the time she makes it up to it. What is it? There is someone named Renee, and she's somewhere in this building. I have no idea. we got to find her. Renee! I, I just... <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> okay. Good start. <laughs> now, where... Where's that room that we were just in? Maybe she's near there, or maybe she's somewhere. <laughs> uh, this fool. Uh, so I run to fool. the room where Renee is possibly where the child was. Okay. You run into the room, and the fire has caught in the ceiling in this room very badly. The ceiling is now sagging and black, but you can see across the room there are chunks of the ceiling that have already fallen down in wood, and uh, there is someone underneath it. Oh, oh boy. Am I right behind him? I grab all the burning wood. Okay. Um, <laughs> and runs outside with it. <laughs> just give me a constitution check here. It's a 19. Okay. 18 plus 1. You rush forward and all of the wood that you're seeing is either on fire or just piping hot. But you just grit your teeth and bear it as you lift up the wood. You're not able to get her out while you're holding up the wood. So do you tell Misk to pull her out or... Yes. Misk, grab her. You tell Misk to grab her. You run up, you grab the wood, and you pull it up. Misk, he is holding up burning hot wood. So I need to hurry up. Yes. Okay, okay. And I run over to Renee. Okay. And, uh... Which I think it's Renee. You hope it's Renee. We yeah, hope it's it's a. Uh, you can tell that it is a woman. I mean, that's about all you can tell. So I go over to the woman and I'm gonna attempt to pick her up and drag her out from under the burning hot. Okay. Um. That would be a athletics. Give me an athletics check. Uh oh. Okay. Okay. This is gonna be bad. <laughs> a ten. Very 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 average. So. Ten. What you manage to do is you you hook your arms under her armpits and you begin to pull her back. And you're pulling her back, but you're not able to get her out fast enough for Kjorg to not get hurt. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Kjorg. Uh, that's not bad. Kjorg, you take two points of fire damage in the time it takes her to pull this unconscious woman from underneath the fiery boards. I feel nice and warm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. Toasty. <laughs> you pull her loose, and then you can just drop the boards. Drop them. Okay, you turn around, there's Misk. She's sort of holding this woman up. The woman is unconscious. A quick glance, you can see she does have a bloody spot on her temple, and she's got a series of burns. So I'm going to carry her out the door. See if you can find anyone else. You pick her up and you take off out the door. Misk, since this is just kind of melded into your turn, about this time as he is saying that and you step out the door, you hear a scream from upstairs. Uh, It sounds like sort of like an older man screaming. You're not sure if it's a scream of fear or pain, but you hear it come from upstairs for sure. Okay, so I'm going to attempt to run up there. Okay, you take off up the steps. Saul. 
you're upstairs. You yep. just stabbed a man, and the man blipped out of this existence or whatever. What are you doing? I'm, I'm more powerful than I thought. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh I managed him to the hills. Yeah. <laughs> to the hills he went. Uh, I'm going to examine just the area I am. Like, it's getting super bad. Like, is there anybody else up here? Are there any doors that I need to open? Do I hear anything? Okay, so a lot of the smoke is billowing through the giant hole in the roof that you can see up ahead of you where chunks of the ceiling are are broken down. And as you're sort of examining this, you spot up ahead of you, because you're down low right now, so you're sort of hugging the floor, which is a good place to be Mm -hmm. at the moment, and you can see someone splayed out on the ground up ahead of you near the edge of where this giant hole has been blown in the house. And as you look, as you spot them, you feel the floor sort of shift a little bit, and a chunk of this floor of the set, of the third floor of the house seems to be breaking off over where the fire is burning, and the house has a giant hole in it. And you realize that that person is about to be dropped into fiery depths. I would love to watch that. Uh, I'm gonna acrobatically using my tail to like jump and skip through the flame uh, try to go and grab them perhaps with my tail before the floor collapse okay I'm, I'm cool with that you're trying to be quick and grab them so roll me an acrobatics check here we go I swear if you roll in that one I got an 8 on the DOS, so it's a 12. So that's a 12? yep okay I mean you're not as good at it as you would have thought <laughs> as everything keeps happening with Saul Exactly. You're a little surprised at how slow you are and frustrated by it, but you do get over there just in time to grab them and pull them back over to what seems to be a safer part of the floor. You can see now it's a young lady. She looks like she's wearing sort of expensive clothing. She's got a necklace about her neck. Looks like it could be a type of pearl or something like that. And she is unconscious and she has black soot all over her face. She's knocked out? She is. I'm taking the necklace, put it in a pocket. Okay. And I'm picking her up and walking out. Okay, so you can pick her up and you start to walk out. She is very heavy as you're making your way toward the staircase. Brackle. Yes. At this point, you run through the hallway into the main sort of foyer and you take off up the stairs, right? You're going toward the trouble. Yes, I am. You encounter a couple of people running down the stairs and heading toward the door. I just don't speak. Okay, you just rush past I'm them. I'm like, they know where they're going. Okay, so you run past people. You head up the stairs. You're looking, trying to spot someone in danger. As you run into the room, you see Kjorg run out with someone over his shoulder. You step up to the second floor. You look around. You don't see anyone. As you're coming up toward the second floor, you hear the sound of someone scream, like a scream of fear or pain. Ah. As you you come to the top of the steps onto the second floor, you see Misk running by you to head up the steps to the third floor. Uh, Follow. Okay, so you and Misk are both running up the steps. Saul, as you are walking toward the steps, dragging this woman along with you, you hear the same thing off ahead of you toward the other side of the house. And about that time, the three of you sort of run into each other at the top of the steps. It's the Green Goblin. <laughs> Godspeed, Spider-Man. Is it Kjorg? No, Kjorg is downstairs. He ran out with, uh, with somebody. I think is Renee, hopefully. Mm. The Misk is there. What up? I found this other one. Perhaps we should leave. It's falling apart up there. As you're saying that, you can all hear off down the hallway as someone says, No, don't! Okay, Saul drops the woman there and goes running that way. Okay, Brackle, he drops this unconscious woman at your feet. 
I kind of look stunned, pick her up, mm-hmm. and start taking her to safety. Okay, Misk. I'm going to follow Saul. Okay. Wait, Saul. Saul takes off running down this hallway. Misk follows right behind him as Brackle heads downstairs as he and Kyorg are both taking these people to safety. As you all take off down the hall, you see at the other end of it, the flames are picking up on that end of the house now. It's really spreading out everywhere. It seems to be coming from multiple directions. It's, it's strange, honestly. But you see down there two figures. One is an older man. He's mostly bald on top with that sort of Alfred Pennyworth half ring of gray hair around the side and back of his head. He is wearing black butler's robes. And he is pulled up by the scruff of his neck to the face of a tall figure wearing very black billowing robes and a white mask. Uh Uh-oh. It's very similar to the one that you just saw, Saul. And the mask is porcelain. It's white. It's got the eye holes and then that symbol on the mouth of the eye drawn in black with a line down the middle that's half open and half closed. You two come running forward, and you see these two figures standing there. And the old man sees you two as you run up, and at first he looks sort of afraid because he sees a red devil running down the hallway toward him. But then he sees you come up as well, and it sort of snaps him out of it. And he just says, Help me! Help me! And the masked figure turns and looks at you. The masked figure is, like, standing right over top of him? The masked figure has him by his robes, like in the front of his chest, and is holding him up to his face. Oh, okay. All you do is stab them and they vanish. Drop the old man, and Saul's gonna run at him. No! Okay, you're running at him. Oh, you're, you have an you have an opportunity to react as well at the same time. Well, I wanted to uh, maybe use Thunder Wave and maybe knock that guy back. The maybe. danger there is that it, it that's a 15-foot cone. It'll hit him. It's gonna Multiple. knock the whole house it's, down. It's it, not just that, it's gonna hit the old man. For sure. Poor old man. <laughs> if you could get up to him and literally cast it like in his face? with your hand on his chest, then you could possibly that do that. That would be awesome. Okay. So do you want to rush forward and try to do that while he's rushing forward to try and do this? I would like to do that. Okay. So I'll tell you what. Here's how we will resolve this. Both of you roll me, um, let's call it an acrobatics check to see who can get there first. I only got an eight. Oh. Ah, it's plus four. I got okay. a 17 plus three. So that's a 12, and she got a modified 20. Nice. Mm. So, surprisingly, she runs past you as you're rushing forward with, a, what, a dagger? Is what you said? Yep. Okay, you're rushing forward with a dagger in hand. She double-step quickly, zips past you, and she rushes forward and does a little tumbling leap and actually puts both hands on the chest of the robed man. Masinko! And it sort of knocks him back, and when it does, he's so shocked that he releases the old man, and the old man falls to the ground. There's no way for him to save from being hit, but I am going to let him roll a constitution save, and he fails it. So he rolls a constitution save concerning how he handles the damage because the, the way that uh, Thunder Wave works is con save, if they roll under a 13, he takes full damage. So roll me 2d8 thunder damage. That's an 8. That's an 8. There's one. Here's another That's one. That's 3. Twice. Eight. Okay. So you deal this mysterious figure 11 damage, and you put your hand on his chest and he sort of... And falls back and, and just is falling backward and looking at you as you've got your hands on him. Do you say anything? How do you cast the spell? Because as a bard, technically, you would use your instrument. But since you're a bit of a uh, wordsmith, you've learned to use your voice as your implement. I feel like I would just be like, 
Back away! <laughs> what are you singing it? Is that what you're saying? Back away! <laughs> I love that. Yes. So back away. <laughs> Thank yes, you. Just like that. So you sort of let out a bursting song, and with your hands on his chest, combined with your voice, it just blows him back toward the other end of the house. And you do see it push the flame and the dust and the ashes back. And since you're right up in his grill when you let go of this burst, it actually sends his mask flying up off of his face. Yes. And you notice now that he was wearing a black hood, and it blows it back too. And you can't get a real good look at him just because of the smoke and the fire. But you can see that he has about shoulder-length blonde hair and pointy, pointy ears. (gasps) Pointy, pointy ears. Very elven figure very elven he goes flying backward 10 or 15 feet and uh, as he skids onto the ground he looks up with a uh, and a scowl and then he reaches into his robe and breaks a vial in his hand and as he does he zips out of existence of course he would do that didn't even get to stab him sorry don't take my kills Just calm down and grab this man. Yeah, the old man you notice now is coughing and shaking all over and trying to get up, but he's he's in shock. He's coughing and wheezing. Help! Yeah, wheezing. Come with me, peasant. Okay, what do you do? Do How do you... Throw him over his shoulder. Start walking. He's He weighs about as much as you do, so throwing him over your shoulder might be tough. Fireman's carry? Come on, misc. (laughs) Can we just, like, both get on each side of Yeah, him? you step over to grab him. You're going to just throw him over your shoulder because, I mean, get real, you're, you're a prince of hell. And then you realize, holy cow, yes, I can't ask do this. Me, ask me for help, Saul. <laughs> Misk is going to stand there and look at Saul and say, you need help? Saul does not reply, just glares at her. Oh, I'm going <laughs> to you do? Fine, he'll sit here and burn. Wait, you like that. No, I'll get him. I'll drag him myself. Okay. I'm stronger than you anyways. (laughs) The two of you grab a hold of him and sort of not agreeing to do so, but still doing so, you work together to pull this old man out of the house. You come out the front door, and there are a number of people. The crowd has grown of those that look like they've been injured, that have gotten out of the house. There have been, Kjork, you've been outside now for a second here, because when you come running out, as well as you, Brackle, people came forward, and they were asking about this person and that person, and as you two were out there, before you could really head in, more and more people came out, and it seems just from everyone, there are people now trying to do a head count, trying to call out anyone that's missing and things, there's just different people being mentioned, different people being called out, it seems like there's really no one left, and then someone says, wait, what about Gerald? And at that moment, Misk and Saul come out dragging this old man, and then you all hear some sighs of relief as you all come down the stairs and you hear just booms and cracks as great burning portions of wood are falling down in the house. And the third house is now engulfed and consumed in flames. But as far as you know, everyone got out alive. You're all standing there. People are coming up to you and thanking you. Um... Kjorg, the woman that you brought down shortly after you got her outside, and some people were just sort of trying to talk to her and tend to her, get her to wake up. She, Her eyes flutter open, and she's coughing and hacking. She's inhaled a lot of smoke, but she is able to be reunited with her daughter, and they're both awake now, and they're crying and hugging each other, and you're confident everything is okay there. People are... She a single mom. <laughs> Do you ask her? No. I'm okay. Like, well, I am now. <laughs> hey, yo. Hey, uh, <laughs> people's champion. What? what? 
<laughs> so a few moments go by. Now there's people showing up, a few of the guards from around Branshire, which isn't a very large group, but a few of the ones that are sort of hired to you know, watch over and take care of emergencies like this are showing up. And there are some healers and clerics coming over from the Temple of Paylord just across the way. And as you four are sitting there, people are just coming up. And now all of you have sort of just been bunched in together and people are clapping you on the back. And a man comes up and hugs you, Saul, for... Don't touch... What... He finds out that you saved his wife, which was the woman that you stole the necklace from. And, you know, all this is going on. And it's just sort of pandemonious, and you're not really getting a chance to get a word in edgewise. And then uh, you hear someone yell out, It's the mayor! I'm not the mayor, I'm the prince of hell! And you look over as uh, a figure comes walking into the crowd towards you all, and he, he's putting his hand on every person's shoulder and sort of greeting them individually as he's walking towards you, shaking hands and kissing babies, as it were. Uh, you all get a look at this man. Brackle, you've certainly seen him before. Many times. I stab him. <laughs> you walk up, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> He's a tall man, just over six foot three inches, impeccably dressed. He's wearing a shirt of fine silk, deep purple, along with a pair of these very nice black slacks. He's wearing a black belt with a silver clasp and a black cape with a gold lining on the inside. The cape is clasped onto a fine leather vest that he wears, which is also black over the purple shirt. And on the lapel, you can all see as he comes walking forward, a very prominent symbol on his chest. It's probably a sort of coat of arms or a symbol of his house. It's a large pin of sorts, a brooch, if you will, silver, and it has a black circular swirly in the middle of it. He comes up speaking. Yes, yes. Hello, I'm, I'm here. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. And he's making his way toward the four of you. Well, I hear that you four are responsible for saving our citizens of Branshire. Of course we are. I mean, saving. Yes, we we took care of this. I'm the people's champion. <laughs> Kjorg. Okay. That's Kjorg. Everyone starts talking. When Saul starts to talk to mm-hmm. the mayor, I just cut in just in case he might say something. <laughs> yeah, bad. just just in case. Just in case. Just in case yes. something incriminating. So I step in and, and start talking to the mayor. Yes, we uh, we seen the commotion and we don't know exactly what happened, but we knew there were people in trouble. So. Well, we in Branshire are certainly capable of recognizing the heroes that step above the rest and help out when others have need. You all are certainly heroic, if I may say so myself. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't go that... I mean, Kjorg is, He right? steps Kjorg? up to you, Misk, and he says, My, I, I, I've never seen a tiefling as beautiful as you. Well, thanks. <laughs> Excuse you, sir. Saul, Saul. Have you met me? He reaches a hand out to <laughs> Saul. Uh, hello, my name is Braxen Tarek. I spit when Saul says that. Hello, peasants. You can call me such Saurus. Saul, calm down. I'm going to, like, nudge him a little. Like, I need him to get it that this guy, we have no idea what's going on. Saul's just shaking his hand, ignoring her. Braxton throws his head back. <laughs> uh, this one has quite the sense of humor, doesn't he? Yeah, he's, he's funny. Miss, I'm sorry. I didn't catch your name. He reaches down to shake your hand, Misk. My name's Misk. <laughs> Uh, nice to meet you, Misk. And he turns toward Kjork. Ah, and... Sierra Misk. Who is this? Oh, gosh. That's Misky Soda. Who who is this (laughs) powerful specimen? The people's champion. 
Oh, are you the one I've been hearing so much about in the uh, the fighting ring on the Circle Street? Yes. My name's Kjorg. Kjorg. It's nice to make your acquaintance, Kjorg. I am Braxen Tarek, the mayor of this city. Oh, that's cool. I guess that's an alright title. He shakes your hand. I mean, it's no people's champion, but... <laughs> Definitely not. Does he have anything worth a lot of money on him? Um, I mean, you... S <laughs> it looks like his clothes are very expensive. He doesn't have, like, a money purse. The only thing that you would see on him that looks maybe valuable would be the pin on his lapel. The roach. That's, like, right on his chest? Yeah. Ooh, I can't really grab that. Yeah. If you hug him. Oh, I love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> so do you do anything, or do you let it go? Let it go. I'm just gonna let it go. Good plan. So who who is this who is this peasant misc and, and why are we wasting our time here? Hold on just a second. I just kind of look at the mayor like, hold on a second. Oh, no worries. And I look at Saul and I don't want to talk so loud, but mm -hmm. you know, just for Saul. Sure. But I I don't know. But this is the mayor, and we kinda don't need to start anything with him at this moment. So can you just hold on just a second, just one little second. Just a little bit. That would be great. Fine. Thank you so much. Braxton turns to the fourth and final figure standing in the group of you, who I assume, Brackle, you're probably trying to slink. Yeah, I'm kind of standing toward the outside edge, watching and observing. I know your face. Uh-oh. Uh, you're a brancheering, aren't you? You're from around here. Aren't you a ranger? Yes. Yes, I believe we've met before. Um, I'm sorry, I, I, I've forgotten your name. What What is your name again? Brackle. Oh, yes, that's right. Br that's right, Brackle. Um, you're the one with all the pelts. That's me. Well, Brackle, I have to personally thank you for stepping up and helping our fellow people. This city could use more heroes like you. city could certainly use more Brancherans. Ah, uh, yes, that's, uh... That's that's what I'm I'm trying to say. He turns to the crowd and he says, "Well, it seems that these four have helped in such a great way saving our own people. My goodness, how wonderful and inspiring it is to see the people of Branshire and even visitors who probably never would have come had we not opened the gates of Branshire to new vendors to come to step forward and save our own people." And people start to clap and cheer and you don't you don't really get the impression that they're doing it for the mayor as much as they are for the four of you. In fact, you're hearing now, you're noticing that the crowd has started to build up around all these people that have been saved and helped. And there are, is a contingent of people that are starting to chant, Kjord, 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 Kjord. And it's just like it was earlier when you all were having the match on the street. And before you know it, everyone is just chanting your name Kjorg and it just becomes a chorus of this and the mayor steps over and he puts his arm up kind of on your shoulder since you're a few inches taller than him and he just sort of raises an arm and and is parading you as this symbol of heroics and champion when he grabs my arm and raises it up in the air mm -hmm. I want to take my other arm and pat him on the chest if you know what I mean <laughs> oh my god <laughs> Please. Please. Roll, me a, uh, roll me a d20. Uh, sleight of hand. <laughs> it's a natural 20. Oh my gosh. Are you? <laughs> I promise hey, it's really? a natural 20. <sighs> oh wow. <laughs> Get that pendant, boy. You pilfer his brooch right off his chest. 
<laughs> you slip it into your pocket. This is great. <laughs> and then you raise a fist into the air triumphantly as the people so chant. Mostly about the brooch, I raise my fist in the yes, air. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Cure! Cure! And uh, that's where we're going to end this week's episode. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I can't believe it. Cured is a petty theft. So, um, thanks for listening. Hey, I give back to the poor <laughs> and for friends. <laughs> this has been Make Believe Heroes. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, if you did, you can help us out. We're in season two. We would love to build our listener base and our community more and more going forward. And the best way that we can do that is honestly with your help. So go on Facebook, follow us at uh, facebook.com slash MBH podcast. Go on Twitter, follow us at MBH podcast on there. Go to our website, makebelieveheroes.com. Share it on any social media platform that you use, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever. Talk about the show. If you love us and you want to help us, that is the absolute best way you can do so. And especially on MySpace. Yes, please. We have a huge following on MySpace. No. Um, <laughs> and, and Friendster. Rip Live <laughs> Journal. Rip MySpace. You can also send us an email to letters at makebelieferos.com. You can give us a five-star review on iTunes. Those go a long way toward uh, getting us noticed. And a lot of people look at the reviews when they go to check out a new show. And that helps us out a lot. Helps us get noticed. So do that for us. And uh, guess that is it for now. Do it. We'll see you next week as we continue the Branshire Chronicles or whatever. Season two, I think it's called. Whatever. Yeah. We continue. Yeah, one of those. Season two, episode four. We love you and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye. night out tonight as we go back to the woodland campsite to answer your fireside questions this week it's just me and i'm going to cover a question that we mentioned in the original q a episode but i didn't feel like we really got to cover uh that one's on me so here we go the question from an anonymous person is in season two should we expect the same style of game it's been travel in season one will it be different in season two and then they asked some about how the party would react to the deaths of Guy and Lorik and would they become negative and depressed, etc. So some of that, I believe, got answered in the epilogue. And you can now clearly see three episodes in. This is a totally different party. So the deaths of Lorik and Guy aren't felt as much in the storyline right now. So I can say that hopefully we will get around to some of that later in the future. And you can get a little bit more of a look at how that's going to play out, how that will affect them. But regarding season two... Season one was just, it was travel. It, you know, it's a journey, which is the story of most fantasy novels. The story of most adventure, sci-fi, fantasy, anything in this genre, there's almost always a journey. You know, you'll have some that are different, but it's usually getting from point A to point B and then doing something when you get there. I mean, look at Lord of the Rings. That's, you know, the typical example of something like that. So there is that journey. And that was sort of the plan with season one. With season two, there is still going to be some travel, but it's less about the journey and more about the locations along the way. It's more about a couple of spots. Everything in season two is going to remain central to the Branshire region. 
it is involving what's going on in that city, uh, events that are taking place now. And I, I mean, I'll just go ahead and tell you that the vast majority of the season is going to take place over the span of the seven days of the Festival of the Rising Sun. So whereas with season one, it took place over the span of, well, a few months, if you count the quick passing of time while they were inside the grove, it's it's different. It's a um, That was a few months. I mean, it took them, I don't know, I haven't figured it up exactly day by day, but you know, it took them probably close to a month anyway to travel from Branshire when Lorik and uh, Servance left Branshire until the time that they actually reached the grove. And then there were six weeks or so, something like that, that took place while they were inside the grove, we think, for all of them. So... The first season took place over a longer span of time in-game, whereas season two is going to take place over the span of about seven or eight days. So it's more compressed, and there's not much time for traveling from one place across the land of Monomi to another. Things are central around the events here in this city. So Branshire is not a large city. There'll probably come a point in the show where the characters of a specific season spend the entire season inside the confines of one of the major cities in Monumi, such as Venthaven or Dimmerhold, the dwarves far to the north, or maybe even Brightport. There's a lot of options there, but this is central to the Branshire region. So it's not a journey. That's not what this is about. It's about a place and the people in that place and how they're being affected. So I hope that gives you a little bit more of an answer. I think that it's unique. I hope that with season two, you'll find a satisfying and somewhat different experience from season one. I'm very excited for you all to see where this one's going to go as we get deeper into the secrets and the mysteries of what exactly is going on in the land of Monumi. Just a quick reminder about that giveaway. If you have entered Awesome. We've got your name down. We've had a number of people enter for the giveaway of these awesome Cosmos dice from DiceEnvy.com. But I do want to remind you, we've had a lot of five-star reviews come in the last week, and that is amazing. You guys are fantastic, and we love you. But if you want to be entered into the contest, please make sure that you send me a screenshot of your review or even just send me an email to letters at makebelieveheroes.com or a message on Twitter. You can tweet it at me or Facebook or whatever. Just let me know who you are and that you submitted the review. You can send me a screenshot or you could just send me the username that you posted the review under because if we don't get that, then I, I don't have any idea how to reach you and I don't know that you want to be entered. So please, if you've left us a review, thank you. Let us know that you want to be entered into the contest via email, Twitter, or Facebook, what have you and we will put your name down for the drawing in one week. To be specific, we have some reviews from Gladriel, Zunderhill, DM Nicknack. As far as I know, we haven't received any messages or emails from you all indicating that you'd like to be entered for your five-star review. So please let us know that you want to be entered, and we will put your name down. And hopefully you can win a beautiful set of purple gem-flavored dice. I keep saying gem-flavored, but they don't taste like... Jim, that would be really weird. Thanks for listening, guys. We love you. Peace.